This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 13th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson is out with a plan to rescue many mortgages that might otherwise end in foreclosure. It's being advertised as a plan without a government bailout, but there are implications beyond mere federal spending, including some pressure for states to get into the mortgage bailout business. Steve Slavinsky, the Cato Institute's Director of Budget Studies, comments on the pork barrel implications of the mortgage mess. The plan that was announced by Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson was primarily geared to try to keep people who are going to be hit with higher rates on their adjustable rate mortgage starting January of next year from losing their homes. The idea was to get a lot of the mortgage lenders Citicorp, Countrywide, etc., together in one room to put together what might be considered an industry standard for trying to keep people who are currently making payments on their home loans, but might not be able to make those same payments next year when the arms, uh, when the rates on the arms are raised, uh, to keep those people in their home. Now, the question I, of course, I and a variety of other commentators have been asking is, is this the sort of solution that might have occurred otherwise? And it looks like looking at what Countrywide, for instance, has been doing since October, is that these refinancing of mortgages uh, has begun on a case-by-case basis, on a lender-by-lender basis. And so it seems as if the marketplace was starting to converge on the same solution. When you look at what Henry Paulson has done, get all the mortgage lenders around the table, look at one another in the eye on a one-to-one basis and wonder if this is not some form of government-endorsed collusion. I mean, if you think about the fact that these mortgage lenders were doing this on their own anyway. It makes you wonder why the government had to get their, themselves involved in this process in the first place. It seems like the incentives already existed there for banks, for mortgage lenders to want to try to go ahead and rescue a lot of these loans because banks lose money when they uh, when loans go into default. They don't want to uh, misjudge uh, people's ability to actually pay them back. The mortgage lenders getting together and chatting would seem to be government-endorsed collusion, but it doesn't involve a government payment. It doesn't involve federal spending necessarily. But the feds have asked states issuing bonds and and spending taxpayer money. The White House and the Treasury Department have said not a, a dollar of taxpayer money is going to be spent on enforcing this agreement. They're saying it's completely voluntary. The problem is they're not telling you about the second portion. What the White House and the Treasury Secretary has basically promised uh, in the course of this negotiation was that the federal government was going to encourage state and local governments to issue tax-free bonds to, through their programs at the state level, help people refinance their loans. And most states already have some sort of program, like a, a housing uh, agency, to, to do exactly that. That is correct. And uh, that's paid for by state taxpayers. And so when the, when the president and the treasury secretary say no federal, or more specifically, when they say no taxpayer money is going to go to this, these sorts of endeavors, they're not telling you that state and local taxpayer money is probably going to go to these endeavors. Someone's got to pay off those bonds eventually. It's going to be state and local taxpayers. And that also opens up the, the larger question of how do you define who gets the assistance? I mean, obviously, you you don't want to, I would hope anyway, uh, subsidize people's bad decisions. You don't want to bail out people who couldn't afford the home in the first place, and as a result, they default on their loan. You don't want to give some sort of government payout to that. And yet you can see why at the state level, there might be an incentive, as there is in any political body, to allow 
subsidization of bad decisions like that. We're going to political cronies or something, or just going to house flippers, people who were purposely getting a higher loan than anticipated so they can just simply turn the property over in, in the course of a, of a few months, for instance. Uh, these are the sorts of things that you might see at the state level. But all that simply to say, even if there was no form of corruption or no form of badly spent money at the state level, the fact is the federal government is in a sense opening the door to allow an expansion of state and local activity in the mortgage market, all the while saying to the press at the National Press Corps that this is not going to involve any sort of taxpayer money that's only half right. Now, FHA is a, is a federal agency, but Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae are not, but they have a special relationship sort of with the federal government. One element of this plan that's not talked about very much is that uh, Henry Paulson and the Treasury Department decided to, in the White House too, decided to encourage the uh, Federal Housing Administration, the FHA, to expand the amount of loans they're giving out insurance for. Basically, what FHA does is they provide mortgage insurance to mortgage lenders in case those mortgages go into default or a variety or set of mortgages go into default. The FHA will then take the money they've collected in the form of premiums from homeowners, basically, who are in FHA-insured loans and pay the bank back for the default on that mortgage. Problem is, the FHA does not collect as much in premiums as they pay out in defaulted loans. In fact, the FHA is currently running a $143 million deficit, according to the General Account- uh, the Government Accountability Office. So the question is, why do we want to expand the taxpayer liability for these potentially bad loans at a time when we're trying to mitigate the problems involved with these bad loans. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are a different situation. In fact, they're in some ways more interesting and perhaps even more insidious. They're not an ex- explicit government program. They're private banks that were chartered by Congress. However, there's the implicit understanding in the marketplace that if Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac took on too much debt, in a sense were upside down, sort of found their balance sheets uh, in a total mess and were in danger of failing, that Congress would bail them out. Now, the problem is, of course, that it creates an implicit subsidy that other banks don't have. Now, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac already have explicit subsidies in the form of regulatory uh, advantages that they get. For instance, they are able to keep less cash on hand. They don't have the same reserve requirements that private mortgage lenders are required to have. By the same token, they also have about $2.25 billion contingency line of credit directly to the U.S. Treasury. So this is basically if they are in a bind, they can draw down money, taxpayer money, from the U.S. Treasury to paper over their balance sheet. And if that's not enough and they still fail after that, they've got this implicit buyout subsidy that most people in the market claim exists, although no one at Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or even in Congress would say this is an explicit subsidy. It's an understood, implicit understanding that the Federal Reserve Bank actually has uh, decided to estimate at $122 billion to $182 billion. This is the range of the potential subsidy that is generated by this implicit guarantee. Steve Slavinsky is Director of Budget Studies here at the Cato Institute. Read more on the excesses of state and federal spending at our website, cato.org.